Hello, and welcome to Frock Flicks, the historical costume movie and TV podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Van Cleve, and I'm here with one half of our original Broadway recording cast, Sarah Lorraine. And we are here costume recapping Outlander. We are now on episode three of season two. Things are getting even more serious. Uh, new costumes to talk about, all sorts of excitement. Uh, so here we go. Um, I will just add the same warning that I did last time that we uh, are recording this where Sarah and I are not in the same place. So we apologize if the sound isn't perfect. We'll do what we can to try to make it sound good. And if you would like to support our efforts to buy better audio equipment, go to frockflix.com and click on support frockflix and you'll find ways to help us out. Okay, so more Paris. And I'm trying to think what to start with. Basically, I was thinking the best thing about this episode is that you see a lot more um, interesting costumes. And you actually get to see like a little bit more of the costumes that we caught a glimpse of in, in season or in episode two. We get to see more of like um, Claire's Banyan, for instance, or her, her uh, dressing robe that we all thought was pretty fabulous, but just glimpsed for like a hot second. So that features pretty prominently. She wears it a couple of times in a couple of different scenes. Um, there's some good close-up shots on like Jamie's embroidered waistcoat. Um, there's some uh, new costumes that we get to see uh, Madame Louise. It's Louise de Rohan. Louise de Rohan, uh, the perky, cute little short one. <laughs> she's in one scene and she's got a fabulous dress, which actually I can't wait to uh, show everyone high-res images of because there's some interesting things going on there that didn't really come out when it was just in the in the show or just seeing it in the movie but or in the, the episode. So yeah, I mean, that was kind of my overview on, on all of the costumes. What do you feel? Right. Um, I was quite happy. Why don't we work our way through um, kind of some of the highlights. I think the first, the first one would be um, the the card playing scene where Claire goes and plays cards with Louise de Rohan and the shy little English girl Mary Hawkins, and they have the chat about sex and Englishmen wouldn't do that. Oh, um, <laughs> and is that is Claire wearing the yellow dress in that scene? wearing a chartreuse kind of color dress or a mustard color it's hard for me to kind of figure out what the the color is on my monitor right now i'm looking at screen caps of it um and i'm looking and i'm seeing it looks mustardy but in the in the show um it looked more greeny so a little bit more like chartreuse um it's kind of an interesting color i'm pretty sure i remember terry dresbach the costume designer calling it saffron so i'm sure pretty sure it's supposed to be yellow and she said it was a silk wool blend and then the uh, the stomacher and underskirt were hand painted by somebody obviously in the costume shop, someone whose name I've forgotten. Um, and then it has little black ribbon along the the sort of the neckline and front edges. I really liked the dress. I thought it was beautiful. I thought that the painted silk was a very nice um, interpretation of an 18th century pattern. It had the right sort of floral vininess to it. Um, and I actually, like this dress more than some of the ones we saw in the last episode because I wasn't totally clear but it looked to me like there may have been some extra pleating in the back and that the back may have had at least part of it where it was cut as one piece from the bodice into the skirt which yeah. would very much have been a style worn in England in this era um, the English nightgown so that made me excited to see a little bit more going on in back rather than just the completely cut separate back. 
Right, and uh, and I noticed that too with the uh, the back of the dress um, and kind of like a proto uh, anglaise, robe anglaise. Um, it was hard for me to see. I haven't looked at the the still images yet on the recap um, on the screen caps, so I couldn't really see what the construction was with that. But it, that was the it, that was what was it was reminding me of were those uh, you know like you say the English nightgown, the sort of early version of the robe anglaise. Um, which is my favorite style of 18th century dress. So I was, I'm always pro that style. Yeah, it's really pretty. And, and I, you know, we, one thing we should probably talk about is on frockflicks.com, we posted an, an interview with the costume designer, Ter Terry Dresbach, and she gave us a lot of interesting information, including some of the limitations that they were up against in making costumes for season two. So I was happy to see that because it's a subtle detail that probably nobody's going to notice except the costume nerds, but it adds a little bit of richness to the costuming. I don't know. I just find that separate completely separate bodice and skirt to be kind of, nah, I don't know. It's yeah. done. It's done to death. <laughs> exactly. Feels too simple. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I agree. I like it when there's a, you know, a little bit of visual interest going on with the construction. And I'm thinking we're getting a lot of that actually um, in, in this show or in this episode in particular. Um, I wanted to talk about Louise de Rohan's dress, like I mentioned a minute ago, um, if we can move on to that just briefly. Yes. Okay, um, she's wearing what looks like from the front to be a robe à la française, but of course, I think that uh, we learned in Terry's interview that we uh, we published last Friday that uh, there were some issues with um, the cutters all kind of you know going leaving their jobs or something like that, and so that was one of the reasons why there aren't actually any françaises in the show. But from the front, this gown looks like it should be. So I'm just gonna go with what that is. I do think that uh, the one thing we learned from that interview is we're just gonna have to accept we're not gonna see any Frances backs. And we discussed that at length on the last uh, podcast recap. And I think we just have to live with that and, and move forward. I really liked what I saw of Louise de Rohan's dress, but I didn't get a clear read on it. I wanted to go back and look at it more closely. So I'm excited that you have thoughts about it. Yeah, I do. And actually, the uh, there's a really nice close-up on the screen caps at Outlander Online, outlander-online.com. Uh, and it shows that she's actually got a really nice little fly fringe around her, on her robings, the, uh, the, the ruched um, kind of decorative trims that come down from over the shoulders and down the front of her dress. And it's fly fringe. And every time I look at that, I'm like, well, somebody put a lot of effort into this. So I was, I was like, you know, thumbs up on that. Um, it's hard to see exactly what the, the, the trim itself is composed of. Um, it might be a self-trimming or it could be an organza, kind of a, of a similar sort of, uh, it's kind of a, what color would you call that? It's sort of like a light green, um, maybe a silvery sort of green color. So it's hard to tell if it's if it's part of the, or made from the same material as the dress itself, or it's just kind of a complimentary organza type lightweight fabric. Uh, but it looks great. And I think uh, the fact that it's got such tiny details, which yeah, don't really show up in the show when you're watching it, but you can go back and visit it and you can see it. I really like that. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, also excited about her, she has a little, Louise de Rohan, again, um, has like a little bow, you know, the little neck bow thing that we really associate with this period in France, especially, um, a little kind of, you know, uh, it's got little, little bows coming off of bows, coming off of bows all the way around her neck. And I just thought that was a nice touch too. So very pretty. Yeah. I also noticed they were very careful. Um, and I think they did this a lot in the last episode too, but very careful to shoot people from the front. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that, I mean, that's great because again, it's the back where things are not quite 
perfect, but the fronts of these dresses are really Luke's in the way that they should be. And I was just, I was very happy watching that scene. And now again, I can't remember what Mary Hawkins was wearing, but I remember again, I just, that there was a lot of proof going on and it made me happy, other than Claire, of course. Yeah, uh, Mary Hawkins' dress is really kind of, it's a neat little dress. And actually I really was, uh, I have some good screen caps of it that we'll be putting up on the blog. And it's, it is very twee, very, you know, cute. And of course, in a, in a very prop, prim and proper sort of way, um, as befits Mary Hawkins's character, who is, you know, very naive, very young, and very prim and proper. Uh, yeah, she's got this very kind of, you know, sweet little frock on, uh, floral frock uh, made from, I'm assuming, cream-colored silk taffeta. Um, it's got some very, you know, in, in, in kind of con contrasting with Louise de Rohan's gown with the robings that are very uh, froofy, <laughs> I guess is the, I think it's the only word I can come up with right now, um, uh, Mary's robings, her, the pleated trim that's on her gown is very uh, regular. So it's, it's kind of like a box pleat or a knife pleat, um, not very, uh, not very conservative, I guess, in terms of, of decoration. Um, she's got an interesting stomacher uh, that's got some interesting kind of, um, looks like organza sort of trimmings on it uh, with painted little, like, I think that matches the, uh, the neckerchief that's painted as well. And I think that might be the same fabric. And then um, I think at, at the end of this scene, that's when Claire puts on her matching cape that matches the same fabric as the dress. And then she goes to master, or maybe that's later, whatever. She goes home first, doesn't really matter. And then at some point she goes back out because she's caught uh, her maid and Murtaugh getting it on. Um, and she goes out to Master Raymond's shop to get her some contraceptive. Anyway, um, and she puts on that that cape. And uh, again, that fabric was just really pretty. Um, it's the same yellow silk wool as the gown. And if going into Master Raymond's, she passes the Comte Saint-Germain. Dreamy as fuck. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, he's wearing this blue embroidered jacket that it just... Oh my God, I died when I saw it. I, um, I have a feeling that I'm going to really enjoy uh, this Comte de Saint-Germain whenever they decide to really like utilize him in the oh. So <laughs> Please, 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 please. So it has gold embroidery in a, like a, a leaf sort of pattern. But then what's great is his waistcoat is gold and it has blue embroidery that matches um, the, the coat. And it was just sharp as fuck and I was so happy because he's got the gray hair and the dark eyebrows and it's just really working for me. Exactly. It's it's good. I'm I'm very happy about the the entire Comte de Saint-Germain uh costume. He's just gorgeous. So I can't wait to see more of him. I hope that happens at some point in the near future because they've just been teasing us with him these last few episodes and it's kind of mean. More Comte, more Comte. Uh, <laughs> In between that, Jamie um, is looks like round the clock hanging with the um, Bonnie Prince Charlie, but uh, what we see um, is he's off with the French finance minister playing um, chess at Versailles, and I thought they did some nice, um, I assume, CG outside shots that really looked like Versailles, which you can do through CG, but I thought the room that they shot the chess scene in was gorgeous. Um, I know they shot, I mean, they probably did sets, um, and I believe in Scotland, and then they shot in Prague um, for the Parisian scene, so I'm not sure if it's a, you know, a set or a real place or whatever, but it was gorgeous. 
um, and um, some nice, you know, people in the background kind of bits, but mostly for me, it was the room. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The room was gorgeous. Everything, everything in this, you know, honestly, everything that's taking place so far in France has just been beautiful. And I also, I actually also have to say, I really like the way that it's being shot by candlelight and they use, they use a lot, they utilize, I, granted, I don't know a lot of like the lighting technique or the cinematography aspects that go into this, but it really comes across that they're looking like they're showed, uh, shooting in low light with natural light, candlelight. And so things are darker, but they're more atmospheric and it looks, it just looks nice. It gives it kind of a nice sort of, um, you know, uh, fanciful experience of watching it. It's no longer in the, in the, you know, bogs of scotland or whatever <laughs> are there scotland are there bogs in scotland <laughs> um, i don't know there's certainly bogs in ireland you would think right. there would be bogs in scotland right. scotland ireland you know whatever <laughs> we're in france who cares exactly so then you have we've got claire um in her writing habit off to the hospital uh mm -hmm. finding ways to be useful let's talk about the writing habit first maybe and then uh, we could talk about Claire being useful. Um, she, so it's a burgundy, looks like a wool riding habit with a blue cravat, basically, and a mat, and then a matching little tricorn hat. And I thought it was super chic. The cravat is a little bit costumey, just in the way that they've tacked all these ruffles to the end of it. Um, people seem to, for some reason, think that 18th century cravats are ruffle bibs when what they are is ruffles coming out that are sort of sewn along to the shirt, but it's a minor quibble. I thought the color pairing was really pretty um, and they're really going and sticking with this, um, you know, the writing habit look for Claire. And this is actually true of all of her dresses, but something I was really appreciating, particularly with that outfit, is that Claire is wearing panniers, the side hoops, but I love that they've actually got her in full hoops, not the the pocket hoops. So pocket hoops would be worn in like the 1770s and those would be two separate pieces, one on each hip that do, um, you know, just jut your skirts out on the side. A full hoop would go all the way around you and it would be more oval shaped. And so especially in back, you'd get a little bit more roundness and they're doing that. And, um, and I really like that shape. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's, I kept looking at the skirts and wondering what was going on underneath there. So you've uh, cleared that up for me because that's the look that, you know, it, I would love to be able to get with my own costumes and so far haven't been able to achieve it because I always wear side, I wear, always wear the pocket hoops. So <laughs> they're easier to make, they're easier to wear, but they don't give you that same look. Right. As far as that dress or that outfit is, um, I love the color. That's honestly, I say I hate purple, but that is literally like my favorite color purple ever, which is, it's not really burgundy. It's more kind of like an aubergine, sort of like an eggplant color and just pretty. It's very nice and very beautifully tailored. So again, we're looking at some really nice tailoring in this, in this particular episode. Now, uh, of course, Claire goes to the hospital to volunteer. Um, and I don't know, do you want to talk any about that plot point? Yeah, that was the one part where I sat back and I started to realize that I was having a hard time suspending my disbelief and <laughs> with, a, with an admittedly fantasy show. So yes, I know we've got we've run over the problems before with, you know, historical accuracy and, and practical just, you know, general practicalities, because um, it is a fantasy. I mean, obviously. But I really was having a hard time suspending my disbelief with Claire being pregnant and her just walking into like this diseased hospital with all these diseased people and touching diseased people and being completely <laughs> <laughs> because disease, right? Um, I'm, 
you know, maybe she is like this magical creature who is immune to everything because she had small pa- smallpox vaccine, you know, but just, I was at a point where I was like, nah, I don't think so. And I kind of side with Jamie on this, like, really? You know? <laughs> uh, although I thought his response, and I know, I mean, this is another one of those moments that they're working out in their relationship and coming to, you know, a, a marriage of equals and all of that. But I just thought he was supremely unattractive in his patriarchy. Why aren't you home waiting for me when I have a problem? God damn it. I want you there rubbing my feet. Um, And of course, I've read the book. So to me, this makes absolute sense because Claire's big thing in life beyond loving Jamie is her need to to heal and to help people through her uh, medical skills. So but I can see what you mean. I mean, and at one point when they're fighting, she tells Jamie that she's only working on the injured people and not the people with disease, but the people with diseases are still going to be in the same room. And uh, yeah. And again, the the being pregnant thing does seem a little, makes the stakes a little higher. Not exactly a smart, you know, move on. uh, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, it's one thing to be a, a modern person, a modern pregnant woman doing the rounds in a modern hospital, you know, this is like, this is 18th century France. And as much as we like to say they had hygiene, they were approaching the whole, you know, concept of Louis Pasteur and they were kind of starting to put it all together. It by and large was pretty filthy outside of, you know, the, the cleaner world on the inside. And so we're talking about this, this very much um, lower classes, uh, diseased people, people with, I shouldn't say diseased people, <laughs> the, the people who can't, you know, combat disease because it's around them constantly. So uh, I just, I just kind of found it a little, a little squicky. Um, But yeah, I get it. It's, it's fantasy. I should, I should back off of that. Eh, You're allowed to quibble, whatever. We got something to, something to talk about here, right? I'm allowed to do that. (laughs) So then we've got Jamie hanging out at the whorehouse where he's got the finance minister and Bonnie Prince Charlie together and Bonnie Prince Charlie is uh, possibly lying, possibly not, claiming that he's got some important English supporters um, who've promised him a lot of money and he's reeling in the French and this is not looking good in terms of stopping the rebellion. Uh, I don't know if there's anything we want to talk about costume-wise with them. Yeah, actually, uh, I thought that the finance minister's costume was interesting and also noticing that he was wearing a more modern style wig, not the the big full-bottomed wig that he had on in the previous episode during the the ball scene with the the king. Um, And he's also wearing that when they're playing um, the the longer, fuller wig when when they're playing chess. I noticed that too. And so now, you know, he's in a less formal situation and he's gone a little more casual. Cash. Uh, I liked his outfit. It's it's a red. Uh, it looks like red satin. It's got some interesting uh, detailing on the, uh, and it looks like actually vintage buttons. Believe it or not, I'm looking at a big uh, image of it online right now. Um, and that's something else I kind of wanted to just put in there. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who works at Lasis uh, a little while ago, and she mentions that Terry actually comes in and. What is Lasis? Well, sorry, Lasis. I just assume everyone knows what Lasis is. Uh, Lasis is the Lasis. Uh, it's a, a, a store in Berkeley that has, for the last forty odd years, practically fifty years, um, basically sourced vintage textiles. Uh, and and they also have a, a textile museum component with it and everything. Uh, but they've got they've got just got this huge collection of vintage textiles, vintage clothing, antique clothing, antique textiles, uh, and. 
you know, it's just, it's a really interesting place to go and just kind of look through things. But also, as I was saying that, uh, and it, it is a Berkeley institution. So forgive me for being like Bay Area centric. We all know what this is when I say Lassie's. <laughs> um, but when I was in there uh, a month or two ago, um, one of my friends was telling me that, that Terry Dresbach apparently comes in. And that's why a lot of these trims, I think, I think maybe she'll comment on our blog and let us know if this is true or not. But if she's shopping at Lassis or she's sourcing things from Lassis, um, they are vintage, they are antique, and they, that's why they look so good. And so that's kind of one of the interesting little aspects. I wonder about that and uh, I'd love to hear what she has to say about it. So hopefully she'll comment. So the <laughs> next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, for once, Jamie wore something that I adored, which was the white satin embroidered waistcoat with the black satin coat. And he wears this for an, a couple of scenes, and, and there's, a, uh, there's a scene where he takes his coat off, and I was just mesmerized looking at how beautiful the embroidery was. I thought they did an amazing job um, on this particular piece. Some of the pieces that they've, they've embroidered a lot of pieces themselves, and some of the pieces look a little... I mean, they're all great. Just some of them are more, you know, A minus, B plus, and then some of them are A plus, and this was just an A plus uh, attempt, whatever, version, whatever. Loved it. I loved that black satin suit, that frock coat. I just, uh, you, can, you can just make everything out of silk satin for me forever, and I will love it. Doesn't really matter what it is. Absolutely, you just can't go wrong. Yeah, and I wish we get a better shot of it because it is either shown in tight close-ups in dark rooms or it's at a distance. I was looking through the uh, the screen caps trying to find a better image of it, and you never really get to see it and appreciate it and and all of its fine and glory. Um, but I also wanted to say too that uh, Prince Charlie also is rocking a pretty awesome satin uh, frock coat as well in a very lovely shade of blue, and which is my favorite color. So I was very thumbs up on that one. We don't really get to see a lot of the, the detail in it because this, this particular scene is very tight shot. They're very much focused on the faces and the conversation, not on the clothes, which is sort of the sad thing in our world um, of costume nerdery because, you know, people aren't paying attention to the clothing quite the way we are. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, so they come back and Jamie and Claire have their fight, but then he goes back to the whorehouse and they have that really cool scene um, where that's going on in the background of them painting the prostitute, uh, painting her back so that it looks like her front and her front like her back. And then she has a mask on and, and they've painted actual stays on. And it's just a cute little, I love the whorehouse. really liked it. Yeah, I really love all the scenes that are taking place at the whorehouse. I think that they're they're really neat uh, neat in the way that they they are approaching the entertainment side of the whorehouse. So it's obviously it's it's not just a an everyday whorehouse, you know, the the scum of the earth kind of place. It's got it's it's got some upper class clientele, obviously. So they're able to put on uh, kind of an interesting, uh, more interesting atmosphere. And there's always sort of this theatrical performance era, uh, aspect of it that. I just never expected. So, I mean, in historical movies, when you see whorehouses, it's usually either, you know, or, or houses of ill repute. It's, it's never really clear that there are other entertainments involved in the thing, you know, in it, other than just shagging or whores lounging around. And so I like that part. I think that's well done. I'm enjoying the whorehouse scenes. Absolutely. And I like that they're showing that this is not, you know, not just a place you go exactly to get laid, but that people are negotiating, hanging out, partying essentially there right. too. Um, 
So then Jamie meets Fergus, uh, originally Claude, the French pickpocket, and who be, will, uh, you know, from the books, I remember. But I, I do uh, question, having watched it on screen, the, the perfect English skills. I thought that was awfully impressive. Yeah, he, uh, he's definitely a precocious little child. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about him other than I'm sure he is going to become highly useful in future scenes uh, or future episodes. I'm actually looking at his costume right now. So it's, it's a really nice example of sort of a middle class, uh, lower middle class outfit. Um, a little dingy, but well made, well kept. And he's, he's cute as hell too. So that doesn't hurt. Yeah, it's funny, as I was watching that scene get going, I was trying to remember his name, and I kept thinking, is it Gavroche? No, it can't be Gavroche, that's from Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So then there's a bunch of stuff back at the hospital where Claire sort of stripped down, you know, at least her sort of outer layer. and We're skipping over one of uh, uh, Prince Charlie's um, costumes, probably his more fabulous costume that he's worn so far, and it's it's highly heavily embroidered. It looks like with pansies. <laughs> now that I say that out loud, it sounds like kind of a, a reason why it's embroidered by pansies. <laughs> but it's sort of a dusty rose-colored satin um, frock coat and, uh, and a big fluffy cravat. And um, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, me too. And I like that they're doing the thing here that they often did in the period, where the embroidery on the buttons yes. matches with the, whatever the embroidery design is on the waistcoat. Mm -hmm, exactly. Happy. Nice, touch. nice touch. Yeah, right. very, I'm very much enjoying the, uh, the men's costumes, costumes in this, in this uh, particular season, so. Yeah, definitely. All right, so anyway, so Claire, and then there's Puss and Lansing and all of that, but Bhutan, I love Bhutan, the puppy who, who could sniff out, he's so cute, and he could sniff out diseases, and he's in the book, and, and puppy, Makes me happy. It'd be hap I'd be even happier if he was wearing a frou-frou little outfit, but he does such a good job and he's a helper and he's super cute and I like him. Uh, yeah, Bhutan was very cute. Uh, and it actually is an interesting sort of thing. You know, we, we just recently, people have, it's been in the news about how dogs can, are being trained to like sniff out cancer or diabetes. And so this is not something that's completely far-fetched. Uh, mm -hmm. Whether or not that existed in the 18th century, I don't know enough about medical 18th uh, medical history in the 18th century to say that but it's it's possible dogs have been known to do it for centuries and we've just started utilizing it now um i guess recently maybe not so recently comment let us know <laughs> on the blog i'm sure someone out there is a doctor or something yeah, yeah a medical historian is about ready to just you know go ape shit over the inaccuracies in the uh in the medical parts of the, of the show right. you know there's always some historian somewhere that's like cringing because the furniture is wrong or the food is wrong or they're dancing wrong we're just the ones that cringe when the when the costumes are wrong yeah or the one that got me, I posted what I thought was a pretty picture, and somebody's, oh my god, the horse's bridle is so wrong. I went, yeah, there's something <laughs> bugging everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so then we have the whole plot point where they figure out through Mother Hildegard, the woman who runs the hospital, um, the, the code of the letters, um, and it's all very exciting. And, you know, the, the one of those moments where Claire gets to be like, oh, Johann Sebastian Bach and uh, all that. I don't know if you have any exciting thing you want to talk about with that. I kind of take a, a I look a little bit askance at the, at the fact that Mother Hildegard was saying, oh, Bach, nobody, you know, he's never going to go anywhere. I mean, this is the 1740s. So he was pretty well known in this period of time, but it makes kind of a fun little thing where, 
Claire can say, oh my God, Bach. And Mother Hildegard can be like, Psh, whatever, he's my friend, who cares? He's not gonna go anywhere. Um, the whole idea of building the code into the piece of music, I, you know, sure. <laughs> I thought the way it was done in the, in the show and possibly probably even in the book, um, I know. When I say when I say the way it's done in the show, I understand that they take it from the book. So it's not that's not what I'm trying to you know get on the show for. If it's in the book, it's in the book. Um, yeah, yeah, the code and the music it was done. Those things were done, but uh, the way it was presented in the show, I'm not really buying it. But hey, it's fantasy! Yay! Yeah. But uh, Claire is wearing in that very next scene, kind of when they're putting two and two together, she's wearing this really gorgeous uh blue like kind of slate blue gown um it looks I like i really like this one it, it was yeah. really interesting i mean it looks like probably something that would be more worn for at home wear it's very clearly sort of a, a it's like a fitted version of a dressing gown and it just was really pretty the way it sort of so it buttons shut but you can still see um something of the stomacher sort of at the top and at the bottom and it's it's obviously sort of classically inspired yeah, I think a posing gown was exactly what it reminded me of. Uh, but it also, uh, I think she's wearing it over the same bodice and skirt that she's wearing when she's in the scene, the previous scene in the uh, in the hospital, because um, it's that rose-colored kind of thing, uh, bodice part picking, uh, peeking out. But it's, most of that's being covered in the hospital scenes by a pinned-on apron, so you don't really get to see too much of that outfit underneath it. But... Uh, I thought it had a beautiful neckline. God, I love that kind of, it's not really a sweetheart neckline, but it's sort of like a very gently curved um, V neckline that just is so flattering, um, especially on me. So I'm a big fan. Because <laughs> it's all about what looks good on us. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I, you know, you could put Claire in a, in a burlap sack and she would look just absolutely stunning. So whatever, she's fine. She's taking care of it. But. I do have to say every time and makes me so happy when, I mean, they do most of the time for formal situations, put her hair up and it makes me so happy because that woman has a neck like nobody's business. It's like three feet long, but it totally works. I am so jealous of that neck. I have the shortest little fucking neck in the world. And you know, you know, my issues with like my chin and my neck and like having a weak chin and, and a short neck. So Super jealous. <laughs> yeah. So if I can never pronounce her name, is it Catriona Balfi or Balf? Ca yeah. Well, Catriona Balfi should just share an inch or two with those of us yeah, less right. fortunate. Please, Jesus. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I think those are the main costumes. I guess the only other things to talk about, if we want to, are the the whole fight with Jamie and the. I mean, we kind of touched on this a bit. The fight over Claire working at the hospital. The main thing I'll say. Um, is that it, it made Jamie supremely unattractive and his hair was just really oh, sort of stringy and scraggy and greasy and clearly he's not making time for baths, but apparently the patriarchy makes you unattractive because uh, that was really freaking me out. <laughs> killed, killed Kendra's boner right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, I was uninspired un by Jamie's hair situation. And now that you've pointed me out to that blog uh, post that talks about how his hair, you know, different transitions of Jamie's hair is in the, in the first season. Now that's all I can focus on is his hair <laughs> in every episode. And I'm, it wasn't doing him any favors. I, totally. I, I really well, hope that he gets his hair washed first and then they work through their issues because we need some shagging. Oh God, yeah, come on. I know, I know there's issues, but I'm actually like, uh, full disclosure, 
90% of the reason why I'm tuning into this on a regular basis is because I want to see some hot shagging. And yeah. I have a lot of money. So. <laughs> yeah, it's totally, we're feeling the dry spell with yeah. Claire. Yeah, we're, we're on the same page now with Claire. God, just yeah. her, please. Yeah. Um, but I was also going to say, too, is I wish that they put, uh, they would put Jamie in a wig. I, you know, he, he dresses like a Frenchman. He's got this whole, like, French outfit, and yet he's still got his, like, little yeah. man thing going on. So if the hair people on Outlander are listening, let's see some wigs, please. They're never going to do it because that's always going to be Jamie's a rough and ready and practical Scott and he doesn't go for this frou-frou and he'll do as much as he has to, but by golly, you'll never get him in a wig. At least they should tie it back or something. (laughs) They did do that once in the last episode and it looked better. I mean, it's fine. It's just Again, sometimes his hair looks really greasy and, and limp and bad. And then sometimes it looks great. And it does seem to correlate with shagging and exercise. Makes it look better. So more of that, please. <laughs> Less of this court frou-frou stuff. Yeah, yeah. I agree, 100%. At uh, least for Jamie. More yeah. court frou-frou for us for seeing costumes. Right. We appreciate, I mean, can we have both? How about we let the Count Saint-Germain yes. cover the frou-frou? Yes. And then for Jamie, we'll have him do the, the shagging and the exercising. Sounds good. I think it's a good division of labor. I do too. All right. Well, that's all I really have to talk about. Anything else we want to say? I don't think so. I think that covers it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen next. Mostly I'm hoping that the dry spell <laughs> wraps up. Hey, it'll be that much more exciting because we had to wait for it. it okay. Tough. So um, we will be back next week with another uh, podcast recap. In the meantime, we'll have a blog post recap with screen caps of all the costumes that we've just talked about um, on frockflix.com. So go over there and check us out and also follow us uh, on Twitter and Facebook at Frockflix. And you can keep up with all the latest historical costume movie and TV news. So until next week. Bye.